Hey, Julie. <laughs> Jinx. How are you? I'm okay. You know, I was just thinking today, like, how long it's been since we've recorded in person. It's been over two months since we recorded in person, and this is getting to be like our, you know, just like I don't even think about it. It's like our new normal of like how we see people, but I was just thinking about we haven't recorded in person in so long. I haven't seen you in so long. I feel like the last time I saw you in person was when we surprised Rachel Miller for her 50th birthday. Um, Just socially distanced. Driveway greeting. And that was um, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, it was was in uh, like, yeah, a little, right, like five weeks ago. Um, And then we didn't even really get to, because that was just like a, quick stand in the driveway, say happy birthday and move on. We didn't get to even hang out or anything. So it's getting, I feel like, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like, um, you know, we all felt really resilient and like we had this and not all of us, but you know, we felt like, okay, we've got this and we've got, you know, we're going to get through this. And I remember when schools first announced they were closed for two weeks and we thought, all right, we can do two weeks and everything seemed like it was going to be kind of a temporary situation and I feel like I don't know for me personally at this point we're getting to the point now where we don't know how long everything is going to go on and uh you know we're, we're facing this week a lot of camp cancellations have been announced um you know, sleepaway camps for our kids um and while that's certainly a privilege for them to to be able to experience that and not anything they're entitled to it's still really sad to see them um be disappointed to another disappointment on top of everything else that they've already gone through with um school and friends and you know being being at home um so I think I for me I feel like now it's starting to get to the point where it's like when when will this when will this end and how do we how do we structure our lives how do we have something to you know look forward to and we can tie this into training later but how do how do you like usually we have an anchor in front of us that like is that we're working towards and then we have another one and you know we may have multiple anchors out that we are working toward but we have like some structure to our lives and right now there's just it's everything's up in the air which is feeling very um a little bit unsettling yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with you i think from the very beginning with me this comes in waves there are some days where i feel positive i feel like we're doing as well as can be expected during pandemic life and that while it's not an ideal situation. We're, we're getting through it okay. And no one is, is so upset that they're not necessarily um, thriving. But this week, I agree with you. There was something about this week that I feel maybe it's the um, fact that it's summer's quickly approaching, that generally this month is such a crazy month in, in most people's lives with graduations, weddings, special events, and things that signify the end of a school year. And watching others endure painful moments where they realize they're missing important milestones that can't be celebrated in a traditional way, um, it's, it's hard. While at the same time, when I'm having a good day, it's so uplifting to see the creative ways that people are exhibiting resiliency and creativity during such a difficult time. And what I keep telling myself during a tougher day is 
that the generation that is enduring so much of this pain, and that would be those within the generation I would call of the class of 2020, the 9-11 class, the high school class of 2020, and then the college class of 2020 also, and all of the young people within those age brackets, including our kids and kids older than, than that, I would say that whole generation, they're going to be raised in a sphere of resiliency that we've never had to endure. And I do believe that the creative ideas and the way that they think will be very different than the way that we were raised and the way that we sometimes think. And that can only, to me, be a positive change. So that has been a little bit of my personal anchor during my down days. Um, just to continue, during my positive days, I would say it's directly, as I've mentioned before, correlated to the weather. When the sun is shining, um, it seems like everybody's in a better mood. When it's pouring rain, cloudy and cold, it seems like everybody's in a really foul mood. And everybody, I mean, just um, the friends I regularly speak with, my family, it just kind of um, is a layer of lamaze in addition to this pandemic um, that we continue to be existing in. So um, that's sort of where I am right now, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention how incredibly grateful I am to um, for my health, for the health of um, my close friends and family, poo poo poo, and um, the fact that the direct impact of this right now has been all of the ancillary things you mentioned and not direct things like health, which is why we are all in this situation in the first place. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it all comes down to in the end. And that's how I've always tried to look at it. But, it, you know, there, like you said, there are ups and downs. And, and when we can always step back and look at that, like, bigger picture, that that's our anchor and our, and, you know, the, at the end of the day, that's what's important. Um, you know, I think, I think it's important to acknowledge, and I think we're, you know, seeing with a lot of our runners and we can kind of tie this back to just, um, some of the articles that we've posted on our social media this week and, um, mental health where, you know, people, even people who are very strong and, um, maybe don't have, feel like they've had, um, mental health issues or struggles with mental health before that this can be a really challenging time. And, um, you know, we've, we've seen, like I said, with some of our runners with, I've seen with friends and family where there are some days that people are just not okay. And, and um, that's okay. Somebody was telling me the other day that they felt like they were wasting this time that, you know, we should all be, we have all this extra time now and they should be getting in shape and they should be spending more time with their kids and doing all of these things that they should be doing. Um, and, and, and they just weren't motivated to do that. And they were feeling really, um, you know, just uh, stuck and, yeah, really having some mental health struggles. And then on top of that, feeling the frustration of, well, but I should be doing all of this and I should be making the most of this time. And, and it was getting them further and further down that, that hole. And um, I think it's so important to kind of step back and say, it's, it's okay to, to, to not have a productive day. It's okay to wallow one day or it's okay. Cause you know what, the next day may be a great day and you may be really productive. You may feel like you've got it all nailed down. And, and one Neither, neither one lasts forever. So, you know, it's just recognizing those, those ebbs and flows and, and, and tying it back to running where, um, you know, if, if 
running and having, you know, if you're, if you're following a schedule or if you're not following a schedule, whatever, if, if the running is becoming one of those things that you're feeling either guilty about or stressed about, or it's just adding to your, to your stressors that you already have, or a lot of us have a lot of stressors and, you know, luckily, fortunately, the two of us and our close family and friends haven't had to worry about health or, um, you know, anything like that. But some people do, or they're worried about their jobs or, um, in, you know, employment. And uh, if running is just another stressor on that plate, that it's okay, especially now when we don't have any races coming up, it's okay to take that off your plate for a little while and, and take a break and um, come back to it when you're feeling, you know, when that, that roller coaster goes back up and you're feeling strong and you can feel like you can add it back. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I really love the phrase, it's okay to not be okay. And uh, as you briefly mentioned earlier, we shared two articles on our Run Farther and Faster Facebook page this week that were really powerful. One was written by Michael Phelps, um, who has been very open about his bouts with depression and how this is exacerbating a lot of, of the things that he he has been feeling over the course of many years, but just being in this place of um, not being able to control certain things, he really looks toward his workouts as his anchor during this time. But maybe that doesn't work for all athletes, and that's okay. Um, the second article was um, something we shared today from a UMD, University of Maryland lacrosse player, fantastic piece that she also wrote herself about dealing with depression and how when you are an athlete, you cannot define yourself by your accomplishments. We talk about this a lot. You are not value. Your value is not um, based on your race times or your athletic accomplishments. You, you are you no matter what. So bringing that back to running, um, while so many of us identify as runners, and we said this before, we are all people who enjoy running, and there's such a difference. And I, I have been seeing the same with some of our runners that we're coaching as well. Just uh, some of our runners are really thriving in this um, in quarantine because there is no pressure, and they're really enjoying that. While other runners are feeling lost a little bit because they don't have the schedule and the goal of races. So to your point, it's completely okay to make new rules and to say to yourself, what is making me happy today? And if making you happy that day is to take a leisurely walk rather than your planned 7.5 mile run, take the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. And it's been, um, I don't know, <laughs> I've lost track of time, but it's been a while since we've done a coaching uh, podcast, a coaching call where we kind of talk through our strategies with our runners and just um, give people pointers on on their training. And so that's sort of our point today. Our purpose today is to take all of this and uh, this, this weird situation that we're in and kind of talk about training. And we talked about this this week a little bit. Um, you know, some of the questions and topics that we talked about discussing come up because we personally as runners need to talk them through and need to figure them out. So I, I think that um, us talking through our, our uh, the questions that are going through our head and the struggles or the, you know, the, the, how we're trying to tweak our training um, will help us and hopefully will help um, us help our runners and help any 
any of our listeners who are also going through the same thought process. So um, the first thing we wanted to talk about, because we are lucky this week that the temperatures cooled down a little bit, but last weekend we had one of our first really hot weekend and reminded, everybody was reminded what happens when it gets hot. Running feels really crappy at first and we <laughs> reminded everybody ahead of time. But I thought it was really funny too. We put something up on our on our Facebook page about feeling crappy with little poop emojis and, and how many responses we got to like, amen to that. Like, I don't know how many in the end, but there were like many, many, many people saying, thank you. This is yes. So the, the first thing we kind of want to talk about in a pandemic year or not in a pandemic year, that first shift to the, to the warm weather and that you do not lose all of your fitness in the span of a day that gets really hot, but that it typically takes about 10 days to two weeks of consistently running in hot, humid weather. And it's not just the heat, it's the humidity and the dew point. So even on days, it feels a little cooler if the dew point's higher, can also feel similarly difficult, but it, it takes a while to acclimate. And even once you acclimate, you still have to adjust for heat. Your body is working overtime to keep your core cool and your heart rate's going to go up faster. So your heart rate's going to get to the same um, zone it would be in at a, at a slower pace. But your body doesn't know, doesn't look at your Garmin and say, oh, you're only running you know, 10 minute miles when you're normally running 930. I'm not going to develop the same fitness. Your body knows, ooh, this feels hard. Your heart rate's at the same level it would be at another pace. So your body's going to respond to the effort, not to the pace. So that's so important. And we tell runners every year and we tell ourselves every year, but every year we get out on that first hot day and we say, oh my gosh, what happened? Like, I've lost all my fitness really challenging. So I think it's really important just to remind everybody again and assure everybody that uh, this training in the heat, once we do get consistent heat, which is, is, is sure to come shortly here on the East Coast. And sometimes for some people, they've already, they've already had it. Um, but once you start that training, um, your, your body adapts and develops fitness. And it's actually kind of akin to, to altitude training and that the benefits that your body um, will reap from that training will become evident when the weather cools down again. Yeah, and there's a couple of hacks that one can do to um, be able to take advantage of heat training. If you're someone that really struggles in the heat where you're listening to this and you're saying, but I can't even run um, even close to my pace in the heat because some people just don't react to the heat um, as well as others. It's A lot of it is genetics and how your body is wired. And we do encourage everyone to to stay consistent and do the best you can, but go out and run shorter distances to acclimate. You don't have to do the exact distances that you intended or what's in your training plan or what you normally do. If you typically run for 45 minutes on a Monday, but it's extraordinarily hot, run for 25 and slowly get acclimated. Another thing you can do is instead of doing um, a couple of warm up miles and then going into whatever you plan for your intended pace to be. Do your warm up inside your house with um, a little bit of ice, like down your bra or just carrying it, you know, holding drink, some ice. Drink something, it could get into your core. So get it inside you. So a cold beverage. Yeah. Yep. And doing some of that mobility work and your pre-cooling inside before you head out, that will shorten your run a little bit because you're already warmed up. Um, and it also will allow your body to be a little bit cooler when you start off. Um, another hack, of course, and this is common sense, but just a reminder, especially because our schedules are off, get back to that early morning running, even if you're enjoying sleeping in a little bit more, 
especially those who um, have the flexibility of more of a telework schedule and you don't have to get up as early perhaps to go to work, so therefore you're running a little bit later, it's probably better to start thinking about getting back into the pattern of being an early morning runner when it's a little easier to run in the heat. Yeah couple more hacks I would say one would be walk breaks like it's okay just get in that time on your feet so take some walk breaks let your heart rate come back down and, and then my other hack that I can't believe you forgot Julie is the chili towel like get yourself a chili towel <laughs> so we have to give a story about that like our the year we ran Boston that was the hot year for Boston um 2012 right is the, the hot year uh Julie quickly found somewhere did you I don't even remember at the expo I think right did you find it at the expo the chili towel that Julie yeah. then wore around her neck the entire race. It looked like an ascot. Like it, every race picture, I looked like I was wearing like this fancy, like, you know, British ascot <laughs> situation. And it didn't work by, I mean, probably 20 minutes into the race, there was no chili on the towel. But in my mind, it was like a placebo. And I felt like the chili towel was really serving me well through that 85 degree race. Well, that's a good point too, though, that, that mentally to think about too in the heat, you know, thinking about being cool and, um, men, and, and that mental game in, in the heat, it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to cool your core, but it may, it may, it may help to, to some extent, but, um, but yeah, you know, chili towel, <laughs> bringing water with you, making sure to bring water with you and with ice. So speaking of having stuff around your neck, um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the whole mask buff situation. So first of all, before I forget, we want to thank everyone for um, your reviews. Oh my gosh, we are so grateful. Thank you to everyone who took the time to review this podcast in iTunes. And the buffs are coming um, because of COVID. There's a delay in shipment, but the company um, API Source, who's doing them, they're on it. As soon as they arrive to us, we'll start mailing them out. So we did not forget. It was not a false promise. But when you get your buff, um, you know, we're encouraging people to wear a buff when you are running in places where you would come within six feet of people. You do not need to wear one if you're running in places where you're not near people. So um, in the summer, especially if you are someone that you cannot wear something around your neck, no problem. Just plan a route where you're not going to be in a position where you'll end up passing people occasionally um, within six feet. Um, if you are in more crowded areas, especially urban areas, and you can't guarantee that, and you are wearing a buff, just um, I would say if it bothers you to wear it around your neck, just put it around your wrist or hold it and then just put it on when you need to when oh, you're in or up over your head like a headband and then put it down so that's you know find some great you know i wore i wore one when it was on like the hot whatever hot day we had it was like 80 degrees or something and i was a little bit dreading putting it around my neck to go out and i ended up not even realizing it was there so i don't know i'm not as sensitive to to you know the heat and being warm when i run but you know give it a try and see um but like you said, if you don't want to, then just try to plan your route and your timing so that you get out early and in a place where you can, you know, get away from people if you need to, like cross the street or that sort of thing. But um, that, that, that is a good point. Um, something else that happened this week, too, is, um, you know, some more uh, marathon cancellations. Dublin, which is the end of October, announced their cancellation. So that's on top of Berlin which is at the end of September. And of course, we're still waiting to hear on Boston, but there was an article, a couple articles that came out in the last couple of days talking about the, you know, the considerations and how there is certainly now doubt as to whether or not uh, that will happen, which we 
kind of assumed all along, but sort of like camps, even though we assume that that it's going to be really hard to to do that in a in a in a you know safe way. Um, I think once we hear officially, um, it, it'll be a lot harder to it'll it'll still be a big blow. But we're still waiting to hear from Boston. But now that these um, you know these late fall marathons are starting to be canceled, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, gosh, like. You know, I got through the first couple months of this thinking, okay, well, I'll just rejigger my plans to train for a fall race. But now those marathons are canceled. Um, locally here, the Army 10 Miler, which takes place in October, has postponed their registration. Um, a lot of other races that take place in the fall have postponed their registration. So I think there's still a big question mark as to whether there are races in the fall and what there will be to train for in the fall. So um, you know, I thought maybe it would be helpful we talk about um you know what 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 can runners do who are now like you know held on for a couple months without races but are now looking longer term without races and you know what you're doing what i'm doing what we're thinking and what our runners are thinking yeah so the first thing we're going to do and we're starting to work on it now is we're going to put together a google doc that's going to list all of the available virtual organized races that are out there. So we hope well, not all of them, <laughs> all the ones we know of or that people send us. So please send us your virtual races that you want to help you that you want to add to our list. Yes. There are many. And the virtual races, the criteria are that they need to be organized um, with some sort of um, charitable entity to it. Um, while there are lots of virtual challenges, a virtual race, just like a regular race, has some sort of organi organizing body to it and, and some sort of structure. So that some ability to submit a time if you want. Not all of them. I mean, most of them are optional, but they're still and, and many of them are races that were supposed to take place in person. And now they've changed to a virtual option. So yeah. they um, you know, still benefit the same charity and you can still submit your times. And many of them also still send you a shirt and a medal. And we'll have a space for that um, on, on our in our database that you know that can indicate that. But yes, that there 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 are some sort of um, you know organized still sort of an organized race, but also that are encouraging social distancing. So they're not in you know they're not encouraging people to come right run on the course. They're all saying you know please do this on your own uh, and submit your time. Yes. So um, one of them that we have already placed on our website. Um, I'm sorry, on our Facebook page is one, uh, Lawyers of Heart, and that one is a great example of a virtual race that's organized with a charity component, the American Heart Association. Um, the rules are to run a 5K or 10K distance uh, between June 13th and 14th. And after you run that distance, just submit your time to Lawyers Have Heart. There'll be a place on the website to do that. The entry fee is free, but a donation is encouraged. And we set up a team. It's Team Run Farther and Faster. So you'll see the link if you click on the link on our Facebook page. And you can sign up to be part of our team. Run those distances, whichever one you choose. And there will be prizes, just like a regular race, and a leaderboard. and uh, perhaps that will give some people this list of virtual races that we intend to provide that will be a growing list. Perhaps that will give some people some motivation, um, especially during this difficult time as um, we continue to hear about our goal races being canceled. Yeah, and I think it's okay too for people who don't want to do, you know, for me personally, um, and I thought this and I may be changing my mind, but, uh, you know, virtual races to me don't 
don't appeal to me. They're just not the same, the excitement of being in a race and being with people that like the experience for me is what makes that race. Like, I don't even know if I could go out and run, you know, a, a virtual 5k on my own, even close to as fast as I would run on my, cause I wouldn't have that excitement and, and that, you know, camaraderie. Um, but as we get deeper into this, I'm thinking like, well, maybe it would be fun to do something like that. So even if you're somebody who was like, I am not going to, I'm not into virtual races. I'm not going to do it. Take a look at what's out there and see if there's a charity maybe that appeals to you or a distance or um, one of the other uh, races that we have on our, in our database is the just trying it triathlon, which is a staple of a, you know, really popular race that Julie, you know, you've been involved in as well over the years uh, that people look forward to. It's, it's a youth triathlon and they can't, uh, it can't take place this year. So they've changed that into also a free virtual race that anybody can participate in. And you don't even have to swim, bike and run. You can actually choose three different activities that you want to do and submit those as your activities. And so it's just a fun, that, that's a fun way to do as a family too. That's just a fun, you know, so even if you're not into that actual virtual race of for, for a time, there are options out there. So I would say the longer this goes on without having races on the calendar and it, it gets, it, it gets to be uh, monotonous to just keep training and training and training and training and not have any, any um, goals or anything kind of just different to mix it up on the calendar. So just to consider different options uh, that might fit your personality. And, and to your point, well, two things I want to bring up. Number one is we just finished up um, we, the pandemic improvement project and we're, the, everyone needs to run their second mile time this week and submit your time to us by May 25th. And we are seeing such tremendous improvements already from the times that have been submitted. And Lisa, I haven't mentioned this to you and I, I don't want to put you on the spot on the podcast, but I feel like it's non-controversial. So how do you feel about this? I was thinking on my run today, we do round two of the pandemic improvement project where again, same rules, anyone can participate, submit a mile time, then six weeks later, submit another one to us. And this time, just like before, we'll, we'll have prizes for those who improve the most, but what about if we took the total amount of improvement, like added up everyone's improvement um, to the dollar and made a donation to MANA? I would love that. And that's funny because I was just working on the spreadsheet today of all of the times that we're getting submitted and seeing those improvements. And I have a column that adds up all of the cumulative because I thought it would be neat to see the cumulative, the average improvement and the cumulative improvement, how much time total. So I've got that all set up ready. So I think that's, I love, love that idea. Okay, great. So we'll announce the next pandemic improvement project after this one's over. And just know that again, um, no pressure, but the amount you improve will generate a dollar donation. To and we won't take away if you, if you, if you, if you're slower in your second one, we will not take away, no, right? No, they will just count it as a zero, right? <laughs> right. And, and to those who don't live in our area, MANA is a, is a local food bank and um, they are always in need of donations, especially now. So it'd be a great uh, charity to support. Okay. Yeah. So um, my second point was with respect to there is another benefit of virtual races, and that is that it promotes and sort of mandates periodization and training. Because when you don't have a race, it's really easy to just go on and on and on and not really remember sort of down downtime recovery and ramping back up because you didn't have a race to denote that. So even a virtual race is a wonderful way to periodize, take some um, meaningful recovery, and then slowly ramp back up. And um, as 
coaches were, we do that for our runners automatically, but we know not everyone listening to this podcast has a coach right now, but if I could give a, a plug for us, coaching right now is really beneficial because we, we are really thinking for each and every one of our runners, we are providing that those recovery weeks, we're providing some challenges within their schedules. We're providing meaningful speed workout with purpose, but we're also providing a lot of recovery and we're looking at each runner's data and saying, okay, well, this is what I wrote for you. We're going to change it up this week because I see that for this workout and this one, you've been really tired and something might be going on in your life that's causing a little more stress. No problem. Let's take this day as recovery and we'll try this again next week. And that's something that a, a, third, a, a set of eyes, an objective set of eyes can do like a coach. So just letting you all know out there who's listening that that is what all coaches are doing right now is providing that periodization and those training schedules during an unprecedented time when there are no actual races. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good uh, reminder too that we do need recovery. And we are seeing that with a lot of runners, um, not necessarily ours because like you said, we're in control of those schedules. But a lot of runners we talk to are are starting to feel some fatigue because uh, again, we're two months into this no structure and just a lot of extra time to run. And um, a lot of people decided to do challenges like streaks or something like that, which are all that's, you know, we understand everyone needs some kind of motivation or something to, to aim for. But, uh, but you can get, uh, you know, you can really get fatigued. I saw a post on a social media site of, of women runners that um, had said like, gosh, I'm starting to feel like I know my body's tired and my paces are getting slower, but I don't have anything else to do. So I just keep running. And um, that's, you know, that's, that's very common. I, I, you know, easily fall into that trap without having some kind of, of structure and, and somebody to look after your, your, your workout. So, um, so speaking of that, though, um, you know, we're starting to think about for our runners, especially those who are aiming for early fall marathons that are not yet canceled or Boston, or we have a couple of runners doing late August marathons that are not yet canceled. We are starting to think about ramping up some mileage now after we worked on some speed and some strength and some sharpening for a few months. Now getting into June, it's going to start the typical time when we'd start ramping up mileage. And now there's a question in our minds and in our runners' minds of, you know, how quickly do we ramp up? How intensely do we ramp up when these races might be canceled and when we're trying to keep everyone's health and um, immune response in, in check, uh, what do we, you know, what do we do? So um, we can talk about a little bit about that, but what, you know, and, and with ourselves too, we have Boston still on the calendar for September. So typically that would, you know, put us at June starting to ramp up again. And um, the approach that I've taken personally with my own running, and I think we've taken with a lot of our more experienced marathoners. So those who already had a base heading into the spring, we've pulled back. We're delaying a little bit. Like I'm not ramping up my long runs. I don't plan to do that until, um, you know, at least probably another month or so. Um, I, I don't plan to go over a 14 mile long run, really. I feel like that's a good maintenance. And then once we hit July, if the races are still on and we're still really aiming for that September timeframe, that still gives us all of July and all of August to get up to 16, 18, 20 mile long runs in sufficient weekly mileage without having three months of really high mileage, high intensity, high strain on our bodies. So that's, again, general, a generalization for, for, um, for runners who have a really good base and who ramping up starting in July for maybe an eight-week ramp up versus a 12-week ramp up 
won't be too much of a, of a strain on their body. Yeah, I think that, that's a great point. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm sort of in limbo, like so many of us, um, where I'm not sure what, what my fall is going to look like. I am very, I, I am, I am 90% confident that my fall will not consist of any live races, but until I hear anything definite, I'm in a holding pattern, like you just mentioned. But what my plan is, um, if all races, live races are canceled, um, my plan for the summer is to do probably my longest run of the summer will be about 15 miles. Um, and I will kind of hover between 12 and 15 for most of the summer. And I will do a little bit of speed work, but not so much. And I'll probably throw in a lot more tempo work within my long run. Um, and then my goal race probably will be the parks half marathon, which has already announced that it's virtual. And that's the same weekend that Boston would have been. So that's kind of where I am. It's not so much that I'd be running a marathon. I don't feel I need to run a virtual marathon personally, but it's enough to keep me motivated and have a little bit of structure with a goal race and a, and a race that I want to um, support because I want that race to return next year. So that's my sort of short-term slash long-term plan if in the event races are canceled. I like that. I haven't, I haven't even like, I haven't, I don't know, maybe because I'm in, not in denial, but I, I, I don't know what to do if there, you know, if we don't have Boston and we don't have any of our traditional or typical, and, and many of my races got, um, I was supposed to do Broad Street 10 miler, which got moved to October this year. So if they happen, I will have a good number of races that have moved. I also just got a credit from a, a duathlon I was supposed to do that can shift to any of their fall races. So I could shift to another, you know, I'll have a full fall calendar if we have it. But so I haven't really gotten to that point of thinking like, if we don't, what do, what do I do? I'm really, I, I don't know, virtual races for me are just, you know, I run all my runs alone and I, I run them at a pretty easy pace. I can't imagine. And there's no reason I couldn't go out and run an easy, you know, the distance easy. Um, but I don't know, virtual races to me always, always scare me a little bit. Maybe I'd need some, you know, socially distanced friends off like 20 feet ahead of me and 20 feet behind me. Um, so I really, I, I haven't, I, I think I'm in a little bit of denial. And so that, that, that is a definitely kind of, you know, it's in the back of my head of like, mo most likely none of these races are going to happen uh, this fall. And then I'm just going to be a little bit in limbo and, and um, you know, I, I may end up doing one of, one of the virtual, I like that idea of um, parks because because that's the weekend that Boston the reschedule Boston should be and that we love parks and that's a race that we've always supported and it's near and dear to our hearts. So I, I like that idea. So I may I may steal that from you if if that's what it turns out to be. Yeah. Yeah. And and Lisa, I think um, you know, we always talk about challenges present opportunities. And you're someone, you're such a strong runner and you've mentioned a lot. Um, over the years that you really struggle with running faster paces on your own and how you are someone that you can really bust out such fast paces at a race. But when you're by yourself, you really would prefer to, to run um, a comfort, more comfortable pace. And that works for you. Well, here's your challenge. I know. <laughs> That's an opportunity. I think you're right. You know? I, I, I do. I, I think it's a little scary, but, but I, I, I especially in the heat of the summer, but no, I, I, 
okay, I, I may take you up on that challenge. <laughs> see, I got to plot out a really flat course though, that are like a nice fun, like a scenic course, something that's exciting to me versus my standard. It's just like, you know, monotonous. I, I can't help you there. I have, I have no ideas of where we could go to do an exciting flat course, but I maybe think the canal, maybe like the canal. I haven't run, run along yeah. the canal in a long time. I don't know, but yeah, that's, yeah. So my, my position is that I'm like in this sort of like state of denial that none of these races that I should have in the fall are really going to happen. But I know in the back of my head that like you said, 90%, even more probably they're not going to happen. And then I'm just going to be like, oh, what do I do? So, um, although I have to say, I, as much as I, I, I really, really miss the camaraderie of races and that part of it, the, you know, hanging out before and, and after and, I, I really miss that. I've sort of, um, and I think it's part of it is just where I am in my life right now and what else is going on in my life. I've really liked having, being able to run just to run, just listening to my body, just running to, you know, when I want, how, how far I want at, at the pace that I want and not having the pressure of, of races hanging over me. So I, I have been okay in this place of, all right, if we don't have any races and I'm, you know, then, then we don't have any races. So I've been okay there, but I am getting to the point where if, if we don't have anything, I'll fall. Like I just, I miss it. I miss that. Um, I miss the anticipation and I miss the camaraderie and I miss, um, I miss the experience itself of, of, of going to a race and doing a race. And that's probably why the virtual races don't excite me as much as cause they don't, they don't have that. So. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you um, with respect to missing missing that ritual of having races to mark the seasons of, of our lives. But I also appreciate, like you, the opportunity to just run without pressure. And we've really never had this unique opportunity because typically if I'm running and not racing, it's because I've been injured and I'm coming back from something and that creates its own set of pressures. Um, so it's, or I, I just raced and I'm recovering and I'm wondering when am I recovered enough to go back to racing? So or what's my next, like, what am I going to pick as my next exciting thing? And like, we can't even do that right now. Yeah. So I, I think to your point, there is such a silver lining to knowing that everyone is, every runner is in the same boat and we're all just out there running. And I know there's a lot of stuff on social media about all of the different challenges that people have come up with. Um, and of course we had Michael Wardian on last month talking about his quarantine challenge. And I, I mean, props to anyone that is cre creative and making those challenges, but I also think there is such a wonderful opportunity to remember our why and the reason we all started with this. And it's not because of races. It's because we enjoy running. We enjoy the process. And when we are able to come together again and do all the things we love, it'll be that much sweeter. Um, but you're right. I, I would be lying if I said I was upset when I go out for runs and I don't have a goal. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, except I will say this, and I, I should have brought this up at the beginning. I have some runs I notice, um, I've noticed this over the course of the past few months where I feel really, really crappy. And then other runs where I, I feel like I'm in that flow state of, um, you know, having sort of that, those endorphins. And I, I don't think that I'm abnormal. I've been hearing from a lot of our runners that have projected sort of the same feelings. I think this is our bodies absorbing stress and um, manifesting that stress through our runs. So I would say 
my runs have been really unpredictable these days where some days I'll run and feel great. Other days I'll run and feel like I haven't run in weeks. And I don't really know how to explain that except to say it's probably related to stress. I completely have had the same, like totally have one day where it's crappy and for me, you know, relatively slow. And then I'll go out the next day and I'll feel fine. And I didn't do anything different. Like I'm getting the same amount of sleep and everything. I, I absolutely agree. And, and part of the not having any races is also that feeling that it's okay on the days that feel crappy. You know what? It's okay. Cut it short, slow it down, whatever. Like there's no, so it, it's, it's okay. So that's been kind of nice and a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a relief. Um, because I think you're right. The stress is definitely affecting all of us in, in different days and different, in different ways. So, and, and something that's related, um, you know, that a couple of our runners have noticed and, and I agree with is that, you know, they, some, a lot of runners are used to getting, um, massages regularly and we can't go get massages now. Um, a lot of res, a lot of runners, you know, maybe go to PT or go to their trainer regularly and we're not being able to do that now. Or maybe we have a little twinge here or there. And we can maybe only get a telehealth appointment with somebody and they can't get their hands on us to see like what's going on, what can you do? Um, so th- it's right now we're really working with limited resources and all of it is mostly virtual. So that doesn't help when it's, you know, a massage therapist or a trainer that you normally work hands on with. Um, so, so I think that's also another factor that's um, causing us to get, you know, fatigued and maybe feel a little more, um, you know, a, a little more worn down on top of the stress, but we're not also able to, to do all, a lot of that self-care stuff that, um, that some people are used to doing. Well, the good news is, is this week, um, physical therapy, most physical therapy businesses in our area are now open um, fully because they're considered essential businesses now. So that many before were doing limited visits and now um, ProAction and Rehab to Perform and some of the others in our area, um, Zach Cohen's physical therapy, um, uh, Cohen, what, Cohen what is his call? Cohen Health yeah, Cohen. Yep. Yeah, they're all open now in our area. So um, if you are someone that's been putting that up, putting that off and you're comfortable, they all have PPE and they are taking all of the safety measures necessary in our area to ensure safety and um, are available to see people for those niggles and those things that have been uh, bothering you during the past few months. Um, Now is a good time to make those appointments. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to do that because I think um, a lot of people have forgotten because, you know, assume that they can't get in or, or just are forgetting that it's been now two months and, you know, we haven't maybe stayed on top of our health as much as, as we should on that, you know, on our physical health. Yeah, for sure. So um, I always like to leave our podcast on a high note, um, a funny. So my funny for this week is that last night on Twitter, <laughs> the governor of Mississippi was reading um, graduation um, names and somebody um, was able to um, somehow slip in the list of graduation names um, a, a very special name. And let me see if I can pull it up. If not, I will just share it. Yeah, it's, it's not coming up. But basically, some, he's like, um, Brad Smith, Harry Asscrack. <laughs> so, so it's spelled like A-Z-C-R-A-C-K. <laughs> the governor of Mississippi read 
the graduating name, Harry Asscrack. <laughs> well, that was like the, um, in New York, the New York, uh, I think she was one of the New York uh, state executive or, or the town executive who was, we posted this on our, our Facebook page, who was giving the speech about, um, you know, precautions at a, at a tennis facility. And that, <laughs> that was, that was really funny is that, you know, you should bring your own balls and you can kick other people's balls, but you can't touch them. And, and to make sure that you, um, uh, you know, know whose balls are whose by, by writing in Sharpie on the balls. And just to watch this speech was so funny because the guys behind her were cracking up. So um, some lighthearted, you know, moments in this, in this craziness, but make sure you don't touch That's anybody else's balls so that you stay healthy. Don't, don't touch other people's <laughs> balls, but you can kick them. You just can't touch them. And you can mark a purple X on them. Right. You can't exactly. Use a Sharpie. <laughs> Use a Sharpie on them so that you know whose are whose. So. That's right. So, well, I'm glad we had a chance to catch up. And um, we are excited for a few more guests that we'll be interviewing over the course of the month. We're, we're continuing to do our best to bring our listeners, uh, great content during this time. Um, thanks to all who continue to listen and we hope you've enjoyed the wonderful guests we've had so far. We were really excited last week to talk to Allie Kiefer and, um, we have some great guests coming up as well. So, um, thanks everyone for listening. And if you haven't already and you're inclined, please leave a review on iTunes, share our podcast if you're inclined on your social media, because that's how other people find us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at run farther and faster. And if you're interested, we are also accepting new runners for coaching. So until next time, thank you so much and have a great week, Lisa. You too, Julie. Bye. Bye.